Welcome into Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf solo today, breaking down the Knicks 105 to 89 win over the Washington Wizards to cap the preseason. Mitchell Robinson goes off. Jalen Brunson has one of his best scoring performances and more next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. Who am I? I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. No Gavin today, so just me. You just get a little, little one-on-one time. We don't do this uh, all that often. So a little one-on-one time with me to break down this Knicks win over the Wizards, 105-89. to 89. Closes out the preseason, of course. And the story, there wasn't too much of a story about the overall game in this one. The Knicks got out to a 28-11 lead to open things up. Washington kind of threatened a few times to sort of come back, uh, notably against the bench unit, which I'll get to in a few minutes. But... The Knicks ultimately quelled every attempt they made and they led wire to wire and won the game. So pretty good outcome uh, there. And a large part of that, which I alluded to in the the intro, is Mitchell Robinson easily. I mean, I know it's just preseason, so all those caveats, whatever, but probably one of the best games I've ever seen Mitch play in his whole time with the Knicks so far. Uh, 20 points, 12 rebounds, nine of those offensive, nine of 12 shooting, two steals, two blocks, and just one foul in 30 minutes. This game more so than others did, and rightfully so, feel more like a dress rehearsal than the other preseason games. I got to, you know, we've given Tibbs props for a few things this preseason, and, you know, I I think that he did a good job of treating the other games prior to this one more like tryouts, and this one more like the dress rehearsal, which is how it should be. You know, you, you should use the preseason to evaluate everybody on the roster as much as possible, And he largely did that. So quick, you know, hat tip to Tibbs there. But as far as Mitch in this one getting what was, you know, roughly what he'll probably expect to get during the season, as far as minutes and everything, I mean, there's no complaints here. I mean, it just, this game really showed what a dominant two-way force Mitch can be. The offensive rebounding has just been nuts. I, I was curious because it seems like he's been pulling in a lot of offensive rebounds in the preseason. So I wanted to see, you know, obviously this game with nine is is enough to skew a sample a little bit, but I don't care. I'm still going to cite the stats. Uh, so last year, regular season, Mitch was second in the NBA uh, with 4.1 offensive rebounds per game. Steven Adams was first with 4.6 offensive rebounds per game. Both those guys played about 26 minutes per game last year. This preseason, Mitch is at five offensive rebounds per game in 22 minutes per game. So that would be almost six offensive rebounds a game 
in his minute allotment from last year, which would be better than both his and Adams numbers by about 50% from where they were leading the league last year. I really think the offensive rebounding has created so many opportunities too. gave Brunson a ton of extra looks early, which led to him having a really hot game. He had 27 points, 10 to 16 shooting three of five from three. And uh, you know, a lot of that was generated by Mitch cleanups, particularly one of Brunson's first threes of the game, which really kind of got him going and, and got the Knicks going. So, you know, on, on top of that, like, I just think he still has his strength from his bulky days last year when he came in a little too muscle bound and, and was clearly having a hard time with his verticality because of how much weight he had put on when he was dealing with the foot injury and instead just kind of focused on bulking up. It was, it was too much for him. Like he's a guy that relies on having that athleticism to, you know, call upon and, and being able to finish lobs and all that stuff. And that part, was a struggle last year when he had that extra weight on, but he definitely has that spring back now too. But while still holding on to that strength, like as Clyde might say, he's rising majestically right now. Uh, he's finishing lobs like crazy. He's getting those putbacks that he's always been known for where, you know, the ball will just come off the, just barely be off the cylinder and he'll be right there already in the air, ready to receive it and throw it back down. Um, you know, the, the quick, two jump progressions are there too, where he's able to get an offensive rebound uh, shortly after one of, uh, you know, a miss either by him or by someone else, and then put it back up right away or potentially even, you know, get, get one, miss a tip, get right back up for another one, get it again, and then tip it or dunk it. Like it's all there for him right now. And it's all really coming together on that end. And, you know, I, I see some people when they talk about players like Mitch, to say that, you know, because he's so offensive rebound dependent on his value that it can kind of affect spacing negatively. And I don't really agree with that. Like, I think what we've seen so far during this preseason and particularly in this game is that he is so ridiculously dominant on the offensive rebounding side of things that guys can't even like his man, the, the opposing center can't even cheat like a foot off of him if someone else is driving in saying RJ Barrett. So if Mitch is still like one foot outside of the paint and RJ goes to drive in, Mitch's man can't really leave him to go contest that shot because then if they do that, Mitch is just going to use that small amount of space generated to find his way in for that offensive rebound and just get the points for the Knicks anyway. And teams are starting to understand that, I think. So I think in his own way, you know, we, we used to always talk about his like, vertical spacing or whatever term we used to describe it before too. Gavin and I, when we used to talk about Mitch with the lob threat part of everything where he, he draws people towards the middle because of that. Now we're seeing sort of a thing where he's keeping guys away from the hoop too, because of the threat of his offensive rebounding. So I think he's sort of reached if this maintains, obviously, I think he's reached that level where he's a guy that's bound entirely to the paint but a guy that is so dominant in that range that it, you just can't, you can't leave him for even half a second. It's not like Nerland's Noel where Noel could only do stuff down there, but didn't have hands and couldn't receive passes and, you know, couldn't finish and all this other stuff like Mitch, Mitch shot 75% in this game. He shot basically that all preseason in this game. in particular, I thought they were pretty generous with two like quote unquote blocks that they scored against Mitch, uh, where he really he was more just stripped down low. I, 
you know, he could have realistically only missed like one shot in this game. He could have shot 90%. I think when I went back and looked at his attempts, like the two that were blocked, I just don't think were. So that's the sort of threat you're dealing with now at this point. Like he's just not, not the type of guy that you can ever leave alone at this point. Um, I really thought that with regards to what I was just talking about, there's one possession in the second, right towards the end of the half. Uh, You can always go on NBA Dot com and just check their box scores if you want to watch what I'm talking about. But uh, RJ attempted a lob to Mitch. It was a little too high. Mitch then corralled his own offensive rebound. And Taj Gibson was down there. And RJ's man had come down because RJ was driving. And Mitch got that offensive rebound and just like lightly lobbed it back to RJ, who was kind of standing in the middle of the paint. Nobody cheated up on him because they were both concerned about Mitchell Robinson potentially on the rebound. And then what happened anyway, but Mitch still managed to wiggle between Taj and whoever was defending RJ at that moment and get a one-handed put back anyway after RJ missed a floater. So that's just sort of, I think, a, a microcosm of what I'm talking about, where I just think that Mitch has reached a point where now he's so dominant on the glass and everybody realizes it that he's going to draw almost like doubles just to try to box him out at this point, which will allow for open floater looks and you know general paint looks for guys a lot of times now. Uh, and I got to just say, too, like, it feels really good to see as a fan, like, a guy that got rewarded with a new contract. And normally, get, contract years are a thing, you know, like, in the NBA and in and, and any sport, because guys typically go all out in their contract year, try to earn that new contract. And you see a lot of guys kind of, like, fall back and rest on their success afterwards and and not necessarily put as much work in, uh, you know, going forward and, and not really uh, – you know, continue improving to the level that they were prior to their contract year. Mitch, it seems like, and I mean, he's spoken about this all preseason. He felt really grateful to have been rewarded by the Knicks with a new contract and that they had the faith in him and everything else. And, you know, I, I feel that, you know, in, in how he's playing and how he showed up, how much better his conditioning looks and everything this year. I, I feel really good about the Knicks having given him that contract and, I'm sure Mitch does too, given everything that he's gone through to this point in his life with his weird college experience where he didn't end up going to college because of some failed commitments there. Uh, it, obviously, he's had, it's well documented, he's had like four different or five different agents since he came into the NBA, which clearly has been a commitment thing there too. So it's good to see that, you know, he's he's putting the work where the money is, I guess, instead of like his money where his mouth is. He's putting the work where the money is in terms of, uh, you know, putting his best effort forward after he's gotten paid and, and expressing his gratitude through really adding to his game this offseason, even if it's not adding a jumper or whatever, which I'm kind of past even thinking is necessary at this point, but just refining everything, getting his conditioning to a an elite level and really getting ready for the season. I've been very impressed with him this, uh, this preseason. And final note on him, uh, I thought it was really good to see him get sort of a revenge tour this preseason. He got to face Miles Turner twice and then Daniel Gafford in this game. And he made both those guys look really bad. And I, I'm sure that has to feel really good for Mitch because those are two guys that, especially over the last couple seasons, have really tormented him. And, I, I mean, they're both really talented players, Turner and Gafford, but Mitch made them look silly. I mean, Mitch just completely dominated the Gafford matchup in this one. And, that's not to say that Gafford was even out having a bad game because when Mitch was out, I thought that Gafford kind of worked Isaiah Hartenstein and 
and just in general kind of made life hell for the rest of the Knicks. So it was really a testament to just how good Mitch was in this game. So fantastic cap to the preseason for Mitch. Should be noted, too, he's barely fouling in the preseason also. So that clearly he's been working on as well. I mean, if he carries this over into the regular season and going forward, that contract that he has is going to look like a very fair deal, perhaps even a bargain, because I, I think that he, he's done a ton and, and looks really good. Uh, I want to talk, too, though, about speaking of guys that have worked their contracts, playing really well, uh, Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett we'll talk about in the next segment. But I just want to remind you guys that today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. And, you know, BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. And, I, you know, I, I promoted this the other day. I'm going to promote it again because I'm about to talk about these two guys in a second. But uh, NBA Most Improved Player of the Year award odds from BetOnline right now. Jalen Brunson at a plus 1,800, R.J. Barrett at plus 2,000. If you're feeling a little froggy, you could get Obi Toppin at plus 6,600. Uh, all of those, I feel like, are pretty good bets right now. Spread a little money out on those three, but Jalen Brunson especially at plus 1,800. I mean, ahead of him is Anthony Edwards, who was already great last year. So how much how much would he have to improve to win the most improved award? I, I question that. Zion Williamson, which he was also – he was almost a 30-point-per-game scorer a couple years ago, so – being healthy is not improvement. That's just being healthy. So I doubt that he gets it. Tyrese Maxey and Tyrese Halliburton, both ahead of Brunson as well. I mean, again, both had pretty great years last year. So how much are they realistically going to improve given they're in the exact same situation and the exact same role and everything else? I think Brunson as the fifth guy there at plus 1800, definitely a guy to look at as far as betting there. But uh, you can head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, and we're back to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here solo today and getting more into this Knicks win 105 to 89 over the Wizards to close the preseason. I want to talk about Jalen Brunson next. Uh, Brunson finishes with 27 points, five assists, four rebounds, 10 to 16 shooting, and three of five from three. Uh, I really thought. This game more so than any of the others, he showed his chops as a floor general, quote unquote. I know that's, I kind of like despise that term now, thanks to like the discourse on Twitter and stuff where everybody was using it against Emmanuel quickly and whatever. Like, He's not a floor general. I'm like, what is a floor general? Like, I, I think it's, if you can bend the defense and create opportunities for your teammates and you're actively looking to do so, I think you can be considered a floor general. And I think, IQ has shown that at times, but Brunson, I thought this was really the game that showcased that for him. Uh, he went to the Nash dribble a bunch, which I know is like one of Gavin's favorite moves because uh, he because he loved Steve Nash back in the day. And so did I uh, in those Suns teams. And it, that's basically a Nash dribble, if you're not familiar, is basically like dribbling into the paint, taking it all the way to the baseline, then basically making like a U shape almost and coming all the way back out and just kind of you're breaking down the defense by getting in that deep, but then bringing it back out to see like, okay, I didn't have a great shot down there, but what has me dribbling in here created for everybody else? And Brunson did that a few times and it sort of kickstarted the offense. And 
I think that's very useful. It's very good to have a guy like Brunson on the team. And we've talked, we've talked about this a ton that can not only get inside, which was a skill that the previous Knicks point guards possessed. Maybe not Kemba Walker last year, but Alfred Payton for all of his flaws was able to get to the hoop. He just couldn't finish there. Ditto for Alec Burks. Brunson is like the first real threat the Knicks have here where he can get all the way in and finish on the inside as the point guard. And the, the effect that that's having on opposing defenses is very obvious. Like he's able to get in there, draw a bunch of attention. Cause teams are like, Oh crap, this guy's like a 65% shooter uh, on the inside. Like let's not leave him alone. And then he can, you know, kick it out to guys and get things swinging around the perimeter and attack a bent defense, which is what, you know, a thing that we talk about a lot on this show is, is bending the defense and then using it to your advantage. I mean, honestly, I think like, as I watched this whole preseason nepotism aside with the whole, you know, his dad now coaching for the Knicks, his more or less uncle, godfather, whatever, Leon Rose running the team. He really was, I think, the perfect addition this offseason for the Knicks. Like he has enough gravitas as a lead ball handler to get the ball out of Randall's hands, like for Randall to respect him as the lead ball handler, which I think is a really important thing. Like I don't necessarily <laughs> contrary to, to go back to Mitch, he got asked after this game, like, was it great having a real point guard now rather than Alec Burks? And he's like, that's rude. I think Alec Burks did fine. Of course you're going to defend your teammates that way, but it's, you could see on the floor last year that Julius Randall, whether it was Burks or Emmanuel quickly or whoever he was sharing the floor with, he kind of always thought like, no, I should be bringing the ball up right now. Like this is, this is my role. And, we ha- haven't seen this during the preseason because I think that Julius finally has a guy in Brunson that he like really respects as the lead ball handler and is letting him do it. So he has that gravitas. He has the ability, like I said, to to run the team and organize the offense and everything. But it, his instincts spacing the floor are just so perfect. Like it, he had so many wide open threes in this game that were just a result of him knowing exactly where to be on the floor whether that was in half court sets, like um, I'll get to it in a minute as far as another development that I really liked in this game with Evan Fournier, but like Fournier running a side pick and roll with Mitch Brunson, just being perfectly spaced up top and getting, you know, receiving a pass there to hit a spot up three, whether it's in transition, you know, floating to the corner immediately, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, like understanding, okay, I should run this break versus I should just get out and run for this other break, you know, like understanding how fast break mentality works and taking advantage of it. Um, But, you know, just, just floating to the corner, having a great corner three point shot. There's so much that he offers that is just perfect for what this team has, because, you know, on a team with RJ Barrett, who you want to have the ball in his hands a lot, Julius Randall, who, you know, I think, found a good balance this preseason as far as when to have the ball in his hands and, you know, when to pass and all that good stuff. And then even Evan Fournier, who, you know, again, I'll talk about in a minute, but can run some, some pretty good actions for his team. Like it's good to have a guy in Brunson that not only has that ability to bring the ball up and be your point guard, but also has perfect instincts about what to do when the ball isn't in his hand, which again, you know, Burks actually, for his, to his credit, was good with that, obviously, because he was a wing. He was never a point guard. It was the other stuff that Burks struggled with. But like Alfred Payton, without the ball in his hands, useless. He was not able to do anything. He found his way to the corner a bunch, but teams would ignore him there because he literally could not hit a three to save his life. And then Kemba Walker, similarly, was so used to having the ball in his hands all the time that he didn't really know what to do with himself when 
he didn't have the ball in his hands last year. And and that was a problem. So that part of Brunson's skill set is so valuable and, and really what makes him like the perfect piece for this team. I really think if the Knicks take a step forward and make it back to the postseason this year, it's going to be largely thanks to Jalen Brunson. And then RJ Barrett had another good game, 19 points, six of 13 shooting four of seven from three, uh, 12 rebounds in 33 minutes, a lot of defensive boards and kind of, pushing the pace from him, stuff like that. That's great to see. I really, you know, this whole preseason, I had very little to complain about with RJ, other than maybe refining his ability to finish through contact more. Uh, And, you know, I think just like last year, we're going to see too that refs will start taking him more seriously as the season goes on. I don't, I guess maybe they forgot who he was over the offseason. I feel like he's not getting quite as many foul calls. There was one or two in this game that sort of dragged his field goal percentage down that I looked at and thought like, I don't know. I kind of feel like that was a foul there. Like he he hit the deck and looked like there was a lot of contact there, but didn't get the call. So we'll see how that progresses throughout the year. But, you know, I think finishing remains a work in progress for him. And he's still only 22. So, like, that's important to consider here. Um, but as far as the shooting, he finished the preseason at 50% from three, 12 of 24 shooting. Only a four game sample, but that's that's really good. I mean, 50% shooting for three, it, I don't expect that to hold up. But even if he gets back to about 40%, that's enormous for him, considering the other strides he's made in his game since the 2021 season. But, I mean, that that's basically what he was doing in 2021, was shooting like 40% from three, mostly on spot-up looks. And, like, he hasn't really pulled out many pull-ups, which I think we were talking about as being a, a potential new skill for him. But I kind of find myself thinking he doesn't, necessarily need to shoot that many pull-ups and nobody on this team really needs to shoot that many pull-up threes because there's just no reason to you have so many guys that are able to break down a defense in the starting lineup and elsewhere that it's like well why not just work the defense and get those spot-up looks which are higher percentage anyway and there's so many great spot-up shooters on this team and so many great guys that break down a defense like you have Brunson, who can get inside it well. RJ, who can get inside it well. Julius, who can really bend in defense when he's playing at his best. Uh, you know, you have Mitch, who's drawing people to the center so often. Fournier, who can also break down a defense and run some actions for you and help pr- free guys up and get those spot-up three attempts. So I would be perfectly happy if the Knicks were, like, one of the lowest pull-up shooting three teams in the league this year because I think this preseason showed that as long as they're committed to moving the ball – and getting inside and breaking down the defense that way, that they can generate really good looks from three as a team. So I hope that's the direction they go. And and I hope that with RJ, he just keeps shooting the lights out from spot up because if he could do that and still do what he does as far as breaking down the D, getting inside, drawing fouls, you know, he has the little bit of a mid-range jumper that he showed off during this preseason. And then, you know, if he starts getting more foul calls and finishing through contact more, I mean, you know, he very easily averaged about 20 points per game in not normal minutes, you know, not a normal minute allotment during this preseason. I think he could get up to 23, 25 points per game fairly easily if they just keep embracing that. I think my only real gripe with this game, he had three turnovers and it was the first game that he had a negative assist to turnover ratio. And all three turnovers were a result of him being kind of loose with his handle on ISO possessions. So just a thing for him to work on, you know, just don't want to, don't want to leave the ball out there. Don't want to get careless while you're, you know, attempting an ISO. And 
understand he was trying out some new things. He looked like he was getting a little cute with it. Like it was another, he had another one of those like one-on-one possessions on the outside, like he had in the, the previous game where he just sort of like went through the legs like six times and, you know, was really just trying to test himself and break down his defenders. So like those are forgivable in preseason, just probably don't try to get that cute in the regular season too often. Uh, but other than that, I mean, great stuff from the 22 year old. Uh, and there's, a lot to build upon right now with RJ Barrett, but I want to also talk about Julius Randall and the rest of the Knicks. So I'll talk about them next when we come back, but we're just going to take our final break and then be right back to finish talking about the Knicks. All right. And I'm back to finish talking about this game. Again, the Knicks win 105 to 89 over the wizards to cap their preseason. I think this was a really promising preseason for the Knicks. So I'm quite happy even with Julius Randle, who we were maligning plenty coming into this preseason. But uh, this game, not his best. 10 points, 3 of 11 shooting, 0 of 5 from 3, but had 6 rebounds and 4 assists, uh, just 1 turnover. And, you know, it was a rough night shooting for him, but I didn't, I still didn't think the process was bad for him by any stretch. Like, uh, although I will say most of his misses, I feel like, came from him posting up or facing up and doing his usual thing that we've come to that we loved in 2021 came to dislike last year because it took away looks from other guys. Uh, Whereas I think most of his makes came more within the flow of the offense, you know, and, and less trying to like force it and put up his own, you know, ISO, you know, shots or whatever. So hopefully he's taking note of that uh, and, you know, kind of not, it won't go to those ISO possessions as much during the season, I guess. Uh, and uh, but still, though, I, th- I think it was a very encouraging preseason for him. The biggest thing to me, and this is I don't know if this number is going to be able to hold up, but it was an insane number to consider. Finished the preseason with an overall 17 to three assist to turnover ratio, which is just I mean, that's insane. We talk about we've talked about on the show before the, the benchmark for like a good assist to turnover ratio, particularly for a player that's going to have the ball in their hands a lot and is going to get a lot of assists is usually two to one. Like usually if you're, you know, if, if you're a six assist guy, you don't want to turn it over more than three times, you know, and that sort of thing. So 17 to three, I mean, that's almost six to one. Uh, that's, that's a crazy ratio, which uh, if he keeps taking care of the ball like that and just keeping the ISO possessions down to a minimum, I, I don't think that, it'll kill the team, you know, to have those ISO possessions in there because you want to keep those muscles sharp for Julius too. Like there might be a time where you do need him to ISO up and, and hit a game winner for you or something. And and he's shown the ability to do that in the past couple of years. So you want to embrace that and have him still have those skills be as sharp as they can be. But, you know, if the big thing is if he's taking care of the ball, then, then that's perfect. Uh, but he does average about three turnovers a game for his career. So we'll see how these developments translate to the regular season. I mean, he, he's hovered anywhere from like a one and a half to two uh, assist to turnover ratio as well, like one and a half to one or two to one. So, I mean, that's also good. So, you know, you got to just kind of consider that too with, with the overall scope of his turnover numbers for his career. But I don't know. I, I would love to see if, if he could get that up to like three to one this year and have the ball in his hands less and ISO a little less, like, I think that he could really find some success this year because he outside of this game, he has found some success with shooting 
spot up threes in this preseason as well and running like pick and rolls, pick and pops, had a really good possession with Fournier, which again, you know what? I've been teasing it long enough. Why don't I just talk about Fournier at this point? I Fournier was cold shooting the ball too in this game, but he had five assists and like each one of them was unique in its own way and all showcase things that Fournier can do still at this point that as much as I love Quentin Grimes, Grimes cannot do on this offense. And I guess especially if Mitch is going to be the absolute force that he is this year, uh, this preseason so far on the inside, I it won't be a huge deal, I guess, to lose the defense of Fournier versus Grimes if Fournier can bring some of these things on offense for a while. But his five assists were really all different. So I'll just kind of break down what each of them were. Uh, one was a transition look to Brunson where he threw ahead like a, a football pass, you know, to him just like straight down the floor. And Brunson caught it and finished a nice layup. Awesome. Good head up look for Fournier in, in transition there. Another one was to Brunson in the corner, which that goes back to what I was talking about with Brunson spacing the floor perfectly. You know, Fournier got the ball, started right up the floor and could have gone up for a contested layup himself, but instead had the wherewithal to look to the corner, see Brunson over there, whips him a little pass and Brunson hits a three from the corner. Uh, then another one, it was a pick and roll with Mitch that ended with a lob for Mitch, which is great. And something that like we definitely were saying last season, especially when Fournier was being used more like Reggie Bullock, where it's like, no, the whole reason you brought this guy in is that he can handle the ball and he can run some side actions and stuff. And they ran it from like this perfect spot where Fournier had the ball kind of over towards the corner uh, on the upper part of the court there. And then, all three other guys other than him and Mitch were spacing the floor uh, on the the bottom half of the screen, you know, with RJ, I think, all the way in the corner, uh, Julius at the elbow, and Brunson kind of at the top of the three-point line. And it just made for a great possession where Fournier and Mitch just got to operate by themselves because the, the floor was spaced properly, and he got to throw Mitch a really nice lob. Then another possession, shortly after that, they ran basically the same look with Fournier running a pick and roll with Mitch over there and Fournier that time because the defense recovered well down low and Brunson's man kind of cheated in a little bit. He kicked it out to Brunson who then hit a perfect uh, wide open three from there. So uh, those were great looks. And I, I hope that if Fournier is going to remain in the starting lineup, that's a really great way to utilize him and Mitch and, you know, utilize Fournier's skill set that isn't just having him spot up for three all the time, which leads me to another one where, Another pick and roll he ran was with Julius Randle. And it was, I I hesitate to make this comparison, but it, it kind of was. It was like Julius had sort of a Amari Stoudemire-esque uh, elbow jumper result from this possession where he came out, set a nice screen for Fournier. They started running like a pick and roll sort of, but then Julius stops at the elbow. Fournier feeds it to him there. And he just kind of like, Takes it takes his last step forward, stops there before going all the way to the rim, pops a really nice mid-range jumper and made it. And that was one of those like in-rhythm jumpers that I'm talking about for Julius and in-rhythm looks that I think would be really valuable to to harness this year and to let Fournier do that with him. So, uh, you know, that is, I think, the ideal way of using those two. And they've they've displayed a better two-man game where it's like, you know, you, then me, then you, then me this preseason where it's like less about just Julius trying to get the ball and get inside to kick it out to, to Fournier for, a, you know, a spot up three and more so than being like, 
which one of us is going to break our defender first with all of this passing the ball back and forth and both of us being able to handle the ball. Uh, and who's going to who's gonna break this little two-man defense first and be able to create a good look for either ourselves or, or you know, the other person. And I, I think it's worked really well. So as much as, you know, I'm eager to potentially see Quentin Grimes starting at some point, as much as I think that Fournier could really feast off the bench, for now, and maybe for the foreseeable future, as Grimes gets himself back into into rhythm, uh, I could see this being a really good way to use Fournier, and and I, I really enjoyed the variety of ways he was trusted to sort of mini run the offense during this game. But speaking of Quentin Grimes, he did make his his return. Um, I don't know. I didn't have too much. This is going to be a really short note because I, I didn't. I thought he looked rusty. He missed all of his shots. He didn't make any. I mean, he the gather and the shot looked fine you know i think he just needs to work himself into you know game shape i guess not not conditioning wise but like uh, playing wise you know he just needs to get in rhythm again and start hitting some threes and he'll be fine you know the defense was whatever it was it was good uh what was the most intriguing was that with grimes available tibbs didn't sub him in first he actually subbed in cam reddish um and then saved Grimes for a look with the starters uh, at various times. So maybe that's a little foreshadowing. I guess we'll see if that's the case. I get the feeling that Fournier is going to start the year, but it's clear that Tibbs kind of wanted a look at Grimes with the starters there. And, you know, it was it was a little rough. It was first action back. He was hurt, you know, the rest of the, the preseason. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it all works out for him. But it, fine debut. He didn't look Terrible. Let's put it that way. He just looked rusty. Uh, but speaking of Cam Reddish, too, uh, not good. I mean, if this preseason was Cam Reddish's audition, I don't think he's getting a callback for another audition. <laughs> uh, none of the better things we saw from him last year were there. Like, I thought last year at his best when he was getting minutes with the Knicks, like leading the team in transition was a strong point. Uh, being a pretty willing passer was a strong point, particularly in transition. Uh, drawing fouls, I thought he was really good at that. You know, getting to the rim and and you know drawing a foul there again in trans like transition was sort of his bread and butter last year. I felt like in his time with the Knicks, and then also just like playing the passing lanes on defense, I thought he was pretty good at last year. I haven't seen any of that really this preseason, and all the bad stuff has been there. Like mostly. The ball just sticks to his hands, and he, it feels like he's always looking for his own shot. It, there's been a couple flashes of like his physical potential and the the great things he can do when he's at his best, but I just you know like the one that stands out to me was the I think it was in the second Pacers game when he had that just like was having a bad game overall, but had that gorgeous up and under layup uh, under the hoop and and just like contorted his body in such a way where you're just like wow like maybe like 5% of the NBA can do that. Like it, real time in a game. Like that was just a really, really nice move, but it, I don't know the between the ears stuff. Maybe it's just him trying too hard to, to prove himself or what, but he's, he's not looking good. And honestly, at this point, if I was going to guess what's going to happen with cam this season, I would say not going to be in the rotation to start the year and most likely is not going to be with the team beyond this year. Maybe even not beyond the trade deadline. If some other team, you know, tries to uh, just get him for like a second round pick or something, uh, which, 
would be a shame from the Knicks perspective of trading a protected first round pick for him and then only getting back like a second or two seconds or something. But I, that feels like it's the direction it's going because he just has not looked good so far this year. And, and it's a shame because I want him to work out, but man, it, things got to change. I mean, he's got to change his mentality. He's got to change how he plays the game and he's got to start looking at himself more as a role player than the guy when he's on the floor and not expecting to get like six, seven, eight shots. Cause pretty much every game he appeared in during this preseason. I mean, I'm going to look at how many shots he ended up with in this game. Cause I hadn't noted it before, but like, Pretty much every game in this preseason, he got a large number, like five in this game in nine minutes. Like, that's a lot. You know, when you're considering that the actual, like, stars of the team and Jalen Brunson got 16 shots in 32 minutes. RJ got 13 shots in 33 minutes. Julius got 11 shots in 28 minutes. Mitch had, like, the game of his life and got 12 shots in 29 minutes. Like, if you're taking five shots in nine minutes of game time and you're not making them, you need to take a look in the mirror and say, look, maybe I should start figuring things out here, uh, figuring out how to do things a little differently. And so that's going to be important for Reddish going forward. Um, I'm trying to think final final notes to end on here. Uh, I kind of just thought the bench in general lacked rhythm in this game, which is weird. Uh, I'm willing to just write it off as a bad couple games between this one and the ending of that Indiana game where they really didn't look well uh, either, but you know, it's it's just a strange script flipping right now of uh, the the bench being the unit that's sort of giving up leads and the starters actually producing really, really well right now for the Knicks. It's such a polar opposite of last year when we were always like <laughs> almost like asleep for the first eight minutes of the game, like being like, Ugh, like, come on, can this get over with so we can get Emmanuel quickly and Obi Toppin and all these guys in the game already because they're so much more fun to watch. It's a little different right now. It's just kind of bizarre, but Obi still played great during the preseason. Quickly still had his moments. He's been a little, a little selfish, I think, with how much he's looking for his own shot. So that's that'll hopefully be corrected. Rose looks a little rusty still, I think, and and hopefully we'll get through that. Sounds like he's going to be getting a more regular minute allotment outside of the preseason, based off how Tibbs is talking and stuff. So we'll see how that all works out. Uh, and then finally, I guess I'll end on Isaiah Hartenstein. He's kind of struggling to find his rhythm. I, I think he'll get there. Um, his defense has been the roughest part to me, though. Like, he really needs to learn where he's supposed to be. We saw that kick in and that loss against the Pacers where, you know, that that Goga and uh, Nemhard uh, combo really torched him. And so, you know, you don't want to see that with him not knowing where to be or not being able to, you know, cheat out far enough on a ball handler when he's playing drop, that sort of thing. Uh, but the other thing is his fouls are still off the charts. And I mean, this is my biggest worry about him during the off season was the fouls. He ended, he ended the preseason. I did a little calculation and it was 6.5 fouls per 36 during the preseason, which would place him more at his 2021 and prior self than 21, 22 last year with the clips where, he finally sort of figured it out and was down to about five fouls per 36 being back over six where it's like, okay, if we ever had to count on you as a starter, basically can't because you're going to foul out more than likely. Uh, you know, it's, I think that just means he's going to be a change of pace guy and Mitch, you know, especially with how well he played in this game and how well he played all preseason, definitely going to be entrenched as the guy soaking up most of the minutes at center. But I will say, if 
Hartenstein is just a change of pace guy, which he probably will be, that the passing is such a great wrinkle for that center spot off the bench. I'm glad the Knicks are like looking to utilize it. There was one point where he was out there in a lineup with Brunson. And just like we saw in the last game with Deuce McBride, where Deuce, you know, had a possession where he just made a great cut and, and Hartenstein just effortlessly fed him from the elbow had a similar look with Brunson where Brunson fed it into Hartenstein, then immediately cut and Hartenstein hit him with a real quick pass on a little give and go and Brunson hit it and got an and one out of it. So I love that from him. I like the shooting too. When it's on, it seems like Hartenstein's a little bit of a streaky shooter. So we'll see if he can find some consistency, but that adds a nice wrinkle to the Knicks offense going forward. And uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, He'll be. I'm not saying he's like overpaid or anything. Like he he's paid exactly how he should be. Uh, he's paid as a backup, and he's going to be a backup this year. And I like that he can do some different things while still maintaining some semblance of the offensive and defensive rebounding that Mitch offers, and also some of the some of the rim protection. Though again, he needs to work on the timing for sure this year, which I'm sure will come in due time with you know, as he gets more familiar with his teammates and how they're all going to rotate and everything. But I've gone on long enough. I can't believe I've gone this long on a solo episode, but here we are. So uh, thank you all for listening. And Gavin and I will be back. We have a a cool uh, guest coming on tomorrow in our preview of Emmanuel Quickly. We've got a couple more player previews that we'll probably uh, get in there right before the start of the season or maybe even slightly after the first game because whatever, it's only the first game. Uh, but we've got those to finish up this this week and then uh, plenty more to get into as the regular season starts up. So thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace out. <laughs>